Welcome to today's podcast by Preacher, as he provides sound teaching on the pure and undiluted truth of God's Word, with life application that inspires you to live a holy life pleasing to God. We pray that these teachings will inspire you to live out your faith daily with confidence, be assured of your salvation in Christ, and God's unconditional love for you. You turn to the book of Ephesians, the second chapter, and we're going to read something that's going to be absolutely fantastic. It's unbelievable what is written here for your and my edification. And this is what the Apostle Paul has to say. And listen how beautiful it is. And you he made alive when you were dead through the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work, and the sons of disobedience. Among these we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, following the desire of body and mind, and so we were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and made us sit with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the coming age he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not because of works least any man should boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore, remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hand. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near in the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law of commandments and ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby bringing the hostility to an end. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers, and sojourners, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Lord, help us to understand what we have read this morning so we can live today. Fantastic dynamic living power. Keep in mind the part of this first verse where it is speaking and saying of Christ. You he made alive. You he made alive. Not 
too many days ago, I was talking to a man that I've known for a little while, and happened to be walking down the street was another man that I have known for 30 years, and I cut 10 years off. I've been more like 40, but I'm really not quite that old. But anyway, <laughs> don't I wish. Anyhow, here this guy comes strolling by, you know, and we were standing there talking. Of course, he stopped and started talking too and joined in the conversation, and he was talking with such enthusiasm, and his spirit was so animated in his conversation that after he walked on, this other man said to me, well, it's a preacher. He says, is that guy for real? Or is he just talking? And I said, well, I've known this guy for about 40 years or more. And from the first day that I've known this man as a Christian until this day, he's the same character, just the same. Wherever you find him, doesn't make any difference. You're going to find him just about the same that he was today, talking in the same fashion and acting in the same way. He had such enthusiasm about life. And so when he walked on, the guy said, well, I wish I had a little of that. I said, well, I tell you, if you'll just listen to what he's got to say, I say he will, without any hesitation, tell you exactly where he receives his power. You don't have to ask him and then wait two weeks. I say he'll tell you momentarily exactly where he comes by this type of approach to life that he has. He makes no bones about it. He'll tell you flat out that in his relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he believes and what he thinks in relation to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, folk, I want to tell you, uh, there's where our power, our strength, and our enthusiasm comes from. And if it's from any other place, it is sort of a put-on, and it's going to play out, and you're going to find yourself down just as much as you're up in this business of trying to live today. Because, you see, what I believe, what I really believe here within this heart and soul of mine is played out within my life. Now, folk, I want to tell you there's not a psychiatrist or a psychologist will not to say amen to the statement that I've just made. What you believe right here, what you really believe right here, what you've really accepted within your mind as the way to live and what you think about life is going to be played out, acted out by the way that you live. Now, that's just as sure and more truly so uh, than there's going to be another sunrise. You can count on it being just that way. If you are not living the way that you ought to live or the way you think you ought to live and you do not have the enthusiasm about life that you ought to have, I want to tell you where it's at. Not two places, not three, just one. And the problem is not out here in life somewhere. The problem is right here within this bony structure of yours, right here, right there. Change your way of thinking. And I want to tell you that you have changed your life and it will be played out just as sure as there's another sunrise in the way that you live. Now that's the way that it really is. And dear ones, if you're going to have life, and you're going to be able to live it in a fantastic, dynamic way, there's two things that you need to know for sure. Two things. Number one, you need to know some fantastic truths, or you need to know a fantastic truth. And as Jesus said, to know the truth, the truth will set you free. Well, I want to tell you something else. If you know the truth, and you really know it is true, now not what somebody else has told you, but what the stealing within your own thinking or within your own act or within whatever it is with your experience that you have had and that this comes through to you as truth now that's what we're talking about you see you can't live on the truth that I say but you've got to know you've got to come to the place where you know some fantastic truths and you know that they're true and I want to tell you when that happens you're going to have fantastic power that's the way that it is Unbelievable power. 
and you will have to trust something fantastic. That's another way I'm saying that you've got to commit yourself to it. Now, it's not just enough for me to know something to be the truth. You can tell me something, and in a way I can consent to it within my mind and say, well, it's a possibility, yeah. But when it comes down to it, am I willing to risk my soul on it, you see? Do I know it enough to be able to commit completely and totally my life to it? Now, to know that kind of truth and commit yourself to it, I want to tell you, you may look weak to someone else, dear friends, but you have placed your feet upon the very mantle that this earth is made out of. Or you have laid hold of the building blocks of the kingdom of God. You have laid hold of precisely a truth that God wanted you to lay hold of and for you to commit your life to it. Now, I haven't said anything this morning that's not right down orthodox. You can hear it anywhere in place, any church you want to go to. You would hear the preacher get up and say basically exactly what I've said to you this morning. I'm only saying it may be just a little different way to you, but it's the same basic truth. If you're going to have a fantastic, dynamic, living life, you're going to have to have some pretty big, dynamic, creative building blocks to build it out of. And dear friends, I want to tell you this morning exactly where you can find these building blocks. And I want to tell you. Now, I'd like to do it in this left-handed way because we need to see what has happened to us in order for us to be able to be today what we have the opportunity of being. Now, I have said it this way. We have a past. We have a past. Well, I'm thinking about the young man that is now a Methodist preacher. And he was not always a Methodist preacher, you know. Like a lot of young people, like most of us, out going around doing things that they had no business of doing, but there were those in his community who thought that he'd wind up in prison pretty shortly, or something else was going to happen to him, or he's going to kill himself in an accident somewhere because he was reckless and dangerous and all the other things that usually go along with youth and immaturity. But one day he found himself in the church and was gloriously saved. I mean, he was saved straight out in every way that you can possibly think of. And shortly after that, he received a call to the ministry, and he responded to that also, and went away to school and finished up college, went to graduate school and went to the seminary and all that grueling stuff, and finished up, and now he was free. And so he was invited to come back home to his own home church and to preach one Sunday. And there he was up there just preaching away, and all of his friends and neighbors and loved ones and people thought he was going to kill himself or kill somebody else, going to wind up in prison. They wanted to see what God has done, and all of them showed up. with the whole church full that Sunday. And his next-door neighbor, he and his wife were there, and they were right religious folk. And somewhere in the midst of his sermon, he stopped and said, Now I'm going to tell you something of my past that's not so good. And the lady cried out and said, his neighbor said, May the Lord have mercy. <laughs> I guess she knew more about him than... She wanted the rest of the congregation to know. May the Lord have mercy. Well, I know he brought the house down to tell me. But anyway, he was able to finish his sermon. May the Lord have mercy. Now look what God has done. Now I want you to notice something. You know this so well, but let's rehearse it within our ear once again. He created a beautiful earth and created a beautiful garden and put man in that garden. First man, Adam and Eve. And hardly before the sun went down on that first day or that first week, they had broken the commandments of God. They had precisely done what he told them not to do. And as a result of that, that beautiful garden was destroyed. Was destroyed. Not only was it destroyed in a sense, but all nature, all nature failed with Adam. 
We don't know really what this earth is all about because we have never been able to see it in its perfected state. What Adam did caused all of nature, all that God had created, to fall. And he knew that he had done wrong. And on that first night that he committed this act of aggression against God, he hid himself. And people have been hiding themselves ever since. Now, one of the things that's sort of disturbing to me always has been down through my ministry and will be wherever I find it, that you see, we will be involved in things that we know that we should not be involved in, and so as a result of that, we try to hide out from God. Why is it, dear friends, why is it that you and I, we know we're not perfect. We know when we really stop and our sane moments look within these hearts and souls of ours, we know that the closer we get to the Lord Jesus Christ and look at him, the more our imperfections show to us. Now, we know that. You know you're imperfect. I know that I'm imperfect. Can I do even the good? If you think that I can't do what you see, you'll see what I see that I can't do, you know. Oh, my God, how I need a God. How I need a Savior to help me, to keep me, to hold me. Why is it, though, that as soon as we get out and get involved in something we have no business being involved in, that the first thing we cut out is the church? Now, does that make sense to you? We hide. Oh, he started us out in the right direction. We'll do these things, and then we'll hide out. We're always trying to escape. We try to think we can hide out from God. Well, we still try to think we can hide out from God. And then, you know, the tragedy of it is we lay it on to our Sunday school teacher. They're the reason why, you know. You think I'm going to say they lay it on to the preacher, don't you? Well, they do. <laughs> and they say, well, I don't like what that preacher says. I don't like the way he says it. I don't like the way he comes his hair. I don't like the way he looks. I don't like this. I don't like that. And then we go on about our business, you know. Well, the truth of it is. And I see if someone says they don't like the preacher or a Sunday school teacher and they go down the streets and go to another church and there's some justification of that, that might be. That might be right. But just to say that I don't like and quit, you see, completely and totally. You know what that says? You know what it is? I have found it without exception to be this. It is not really the teacher, the church, the Sunday school teacher. It's the relationship with God has played out. Their faith is full of hope. And they're tired and worn out, and they don't know a thing about what I'm talking about or what is here in the book of Ephesians. They don't know this. If they've read it, they don't believe it. And if they believe it, they have never acted upon it, you see. And that is a fact. Lay it on to everybody else. You see, Adam had sinned, and with that, all nature failed. The garden was not the same after he had sinned. And with that rebellion, you and I were infected with sin. It was a sin that Adam brought. And I want to tell you something, dear friends. This sin that Adam brought into this world is deadly. It is deadly. And when it's spelled out, you'll find in verse 12, it says this. Remember, remember that you were at that time separated from... Listen to these strong words. Listen to this. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Talking about our past. Separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. That's like saying you're alienated from the kingdom of God. That's what it's saying. Don't get hung up on this business of Israel there. It's what he's really saying. You see, at that time, there was no distinction between Israel and the kingdom of God. None. They were God's people, God's kingdom. To belong to that, you belong to God and to his kingdom. And so what he's really saying here is that, that you're strangers to the kingdom of God. Now listen to this. Having no hope and without God in the world. Now, folks, if that doesn't make your blood run sort of cold, uh, you don't understand what he's saying. Now, that's our past experience. 
There's where we actually stood. There's where we actually were. That we were alienated, strangers, no hope, and no God. That is the plague that Brother Adam brought in the world when he sinned against God. And if you want to read the rest of that the first verse, there you can read it, where it says, when you were dead through trespasses. You see, this life that we had in the past, as far as the kingdom of God was concerned, not God, but the kingdom's concerned, as far as you're concerned and your relationship to it, you were dead. Now that was our condition. At one time, those who live in sin, are dead to what we're talking about this morning. Now that was disastrous as a deadly dilemma for us to be in because all of us, we don't have to ask another person whether or not we're sinners or not. All you have to do is check your own heart and soul and it comes out clearly, quickly, that we can see, yes, I'm a sinner, only saved by the grace of God. Now that's the past. Adam brought sin. Now we have a present. Most of us know about our past. And most of us can think about a glorious future. Oh, we've had heaven painted to us ten jillion times, and we're painted to ourselves. And yet Paul tells us, I has not seen nor ear heard nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. And we cast that out into the future somewhere out there. Somewhere I'm going to enter into that. Well, that's not exactly what that is going to happen. Oh, for sure. The perfect revelation is going to come one day somewhere somehow some way but that's not exactly what Paul had in mind that's not what Paul's got in mind right here uh, for you and for me today some people say the only thing that a Christian has is a glorious future that is not so we have a fantastic presence right now today and I'm going to talk to you about it Adam came and brought sin now just look what God did for that situation let's see turn to 1st Corinthians 15 21 and 22 read it for as by a man came death that's Adam by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead now as death came into the world through one man the restoration to eternal life has come through another man for as in Adam all die so also in Christ shall all be made alive notice it all shall be made alive. Me. Look at that word. A right aggressive word. Me. God through Christ has made it possible for every one of us to be alive today in his kingdom and to be restored. Not in ages to come. That too. But right now, in this place, right here, where we are today. Now, we were alienated. In our scripture this morning, look at the verse 4. Look at it. We were alienated. We were separated without hope and without God in the world. But God, who is rich in mercy, out of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. Now, isn't that fantastic? You see, the preacher's just not got a translation here. You heard exactly what it says. All this, we were tied up in death. It came into the world, but what happened? But God, oh, how beautiful that is. Oh, but God, and his great love and mercy has extended to us again what was taken from us through sin. 
How did God do such a thing, and why did he do it? Well, we know both the how and the why. We know he did it because he loved us with a great compassion, greater than I can understand. Oh, this love of God, it swamps my heart and my soul, too. I look at myself, and I am the same way that everyone else. I wonder how God could have liked the old hymn. How could God love me, a sinner, condemned, unclean? But he does. He's demonstrated, even as Paul says, before the foundation of this world, that he had planned for me to not only be created, but to be restored to the kingdom that I would drift from one day. Fantastic. We know why he did it, and we know how he did it. He did it through the Lord Jesus Christ. Through one man came death, through one man comes life. Now, I want you to notice something here. When the Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, he restored what Adam had lost through sin. Now, folks, listen to this. That's exactly what Scripture said. That when the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross, he restored not halfway, completely and totally what Adam lost through his sinning. Completely and totally. Right now, right today. And that act was independent of your thinking and my thinking. He did not ask me. I doubt whether he asked you. He did not counsel with me. And I doubt whether he counseled with you. Out of his love and out of his infinite wisdom, he said, this is the way that it's going to be and this is what I'm going to do. And aren't you glad that he's made it possible for us to be restored completely and totally to our rightful place and the kingdom of God? Not when you die, dear friends, but it's done today. Now the stage is set for you and for me to live in a fantastic, wonderful, beautiful way right now. And that happens when I accept the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior and Lord. It sets into operation one of the greatest and most awesome powers upon the face of this God-given earth. In fact, the earth knows nothing about it. The only way you can know it is through a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice something about this act of God. I want you to notice something. It's important, and I'm going to hurry. Okay, I want you to notice something that's absolutely fantastic here. When you accept the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, this act is not based on some feeling. Now listen to that. This act is not based on some feeling outside of love. When God did this, it was an act of will and a purpose of a mind, God's mind. And when you accept it, it can be accepted in the same calculated way. Now, hopefully some emotional attachment will be involved in it, but it doesn't have to be. I can respond to God with my mind and commit it here to him completely and totally without any emotion connected with it at all. And my acceptance of that fact it can be just as logical and just as reasonable as what God did. Now, notice 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Oh, read this one, dear friends. Listen to this. Now, listen to this. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. For by one Spirit we were all baptized. Well, how many of you realize that you've been baptized by the baptism of the Holy Spirit? You see, I was not talking about water baptism at all. We had nothing to do with this. 
This is the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the baptism of God through the Lord Jesus Christ. The day that you believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and trusted him for your personal Savior and Lord, that was the moment that you were baptized in the fellowship of God. That is the day that something spiritually happened to you that you had, in a sense, nothing to do with. You just brought it into play simply because you believed. It's an act on the part of God. And I want you to know that you have been baptized, whether you feel like it or not, into the kingdom of God. No feeling. You see, your feelings can keep you in servitude every day of your life, the rest of your life, if you will let it do it. Now, dear friends, let us settle something as far as your own soul is concerned and your own mind is concerned once and for all. Now, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe what somebody else has told you about salvation or what you have dreamed upon your own? Are you going to listen to the Apostle Paul and to the Word of God? Now, it comes down to that. Are you going to trust your feelings and what you think? Are you going to listen to what is here? Now, this is why it's important for you to know what's written in here. How can you respond to God completely and totally if you do not know what is written here? Read it. Digest it. It's the only way that you can know God and know him in the most beautiful way is to know what is here. Now, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust your feelings? Are you going to trust some friend or his neighbor, loved one that means well? Or are you going to trust this word right here? Now, make up your mind because it's important. If I trust what is written here to be the word of God and I act upon it, I want to tell you that there's a security that will come to you and there will be power and dynamic living will come to you. The only way you can know it is this way, only way. You know the truth and you've got to commit yourself to it, not just give accent to it, but to believe it with all your heart and your soul. Believe it with as much of it as you can so that you trust it for salvation and act upon it. I didn't say whether you feel that way or not, you see. It doesn't say that. It is not based on your feeling. It is not based on works. And I hesitate to say that. That's what Paul said here. He says it's not based on works. You don't work for it. You see, we work because we believe. Now, we do around the church here what we need to do because I believe in Christ, but I don't do it for my salvation. My salvation has been purchased by the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been baptized by the Holy Spirit into the kingdom of God because I believe and trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you something that that motivates me like you wouldn't believe it does. It's because I do then because I am saved. And we dig a ditch if it needs to be around the church because we love the church and the Lord Jesus Christ. We do it because of. Who is it that's able to justify you? None other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you fail, you don't have to hide. You don't have to hide. No, in the book of Romans 10, the fourth verse, for Christ is the end of the commandments. You didn't know that, did you? Well, it is. We're justified through faith. That's what Paul is saying here, you see. We keep the commandments if we keep them because we love the Lord, not because of salvation. Get it right. That's what it says. That's what it says. You see, and then I am made. Oh, I love this. And I close with this. And what God has done through the Lord Jesus Christ, baptizing you into the fellowship of God and restoring you completely and totally to the kingdom that you have come as it is in our scripture here as I read to you this morning, this 19th verse, oh, I love this. And so at last you are again of the household of God. Now, long ago, if you were visiting a party or another house, in all probability, there would be one standing at the door to let you in and to receive you. 
and they would call out in a loud voice who you were, and they would say, of the household of, and use your last name, of the household of, and use your last name. And that's what Jesus has done for us. Yes, call me who you will, but in the last thing, and of the household of God, all of us, of the household of God. Now, isn't that fantastic, and isn't that wonderful? what God has done. There's no excuse for any of us going out of here. You say, well, I don't feel like it. I feel like I've been neglected. Don't feel like I'm part of. I feel like I've been snubbed. I feel like this. I feel like the other. Folk, it's not that way. What do you care anyway? If some friend has neglected you and failed to respond to you in a loving, kind, considered, and understanding way, you just know that that's not a thing to do but between you and your God. Folk, he has, and he's done something beautiful, wonderful, and you're included, and he's made it possible for you to be part of his kingdom today and throughout the rest of your days, and when it comes, the total and complete revelation will come uh, when he calls you from this earth. What God has done is absolutely fantastic. And I would close by saying, too, as the scripture says in another place, I cannot think of anything more that needs to be done that God has left undone. He's done it all. It's up to you and to me, O oh, our Father. May we be able to lay hold of these truths and make it work in our life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. Hope you were blessed. We pray the Holy Spirit will make you a doer of His words, finishing the work He started in making you more like Christ for the transformation of this world and preparation for heaven. 